Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm Fazia Costi, and today I am interviewing a good friend of mine, Alice Kanaka, who is an author. Alice has been reading everything she would get her hands on since she could hold a book, and she's been writing stories about the world around her. Her youth was a series of moves across the United States, accompanied by her sibling, sidekick, and her books. After studying abroad in England and Spain, and a short stint working at Club Med, Alice packed her bags once more and went to teach in Japan. Her story continues along the same vein, adding languages, kids, and cats into the mix. Open one of her mysteries to see the world through her eyes. I promise you won't be disappointed. So welcome, Alice Kanaka. Thank you, Fazia. Yeah, so you recently wrote a new book called The Cardinal and the Crow, and we are going to get into that book in a little bit. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about who you are, because you're a pretty interesting person, at least I think so. Um, So tell me a little bit about who you are and what brought you to the point where you became a writer? How, how did you decide to be a writer? Well, um, I've been writing for a long time, but I it never really occurred to me to, to do anything with my writing. And um, at almost retirement age, I found myself without a job and um, decided I wanted to make a go of it. So uh, I, I feel like it's a second chance for me to actually do something that I really love and make a living at it, hopefully. <laughs> and, I, and I think you will. You know, for, for those of you, well, I don't think anyone else knows this, but Alice and I have known each other for about 20 years, maybe longer. And our families have hung out together and played together. Our kids have known each other for their entire lives. So I've read a lot of Alice's work, actually, and I think you're pretty talented. So I'm really glad you've made this transition. I think you have a lot to offer the writing community. So I think you're going to make a fantastic addition to all the other authors that are out there. Um, what what inspires you the most about writing? What do you think is the thing that inspires you the most? Or, or maybe it's individual things. I don't know. What do you think inspires you to write? Well. As far as my blog goes, nature inspires me. I like to be outdoors and um, hiking and looking at beautiful scenery. But for my stories, it's more internal, actually. I have a lot of stories in my head that want to come out. And um, once I start writing, my characters seem to kind of take on a life of their own and... uh, my plan before I start writing isn't always what ends up happening in the book. <laughs> well, I think that's pretty common. Most writers just kind of start off with an inspiration and then it takes a life of its own. It's not necessarily what you planned on. It just kind of takes its own course. Would you agree with that? <laughs> yes, but I, I do have to marshal myself a little bit, um, make sure I'm kind of staying on the path because uh, especially with mysteries, which is what I like to write and read. Um, you have to drop clues along the way and you have to have a an outcome that you're working towards so that your readers can follow along and help you solve the mystery as you go. Right. What do you what do you love about mysteries? What makes a mystery fun to write? It's kind of like a puzzle, isn't it? I mean, you, you've got all of these different people who find themselves together in a common situation, but they're all very different and um, they all have their little secrets. So um, I don't really know how to explain it other than it's, it's like a puzzle. So whether you're reading it and solving the puzzle or writing it, make it a puzzle for someone else. Okay, um, I get that. That that seems kind of fun, and then and then yeah. the, the mystery is the the solving the puzzle, or 
you know, reading along the way as someone else solves the puzzle for you. Right. Right. Okay. That's fun. And um, I didn't realize when I started that there are, I mean, I guess I realized reading them, but it didn't occur to me that there are very specific rules within the genre. And uh, um, for example, um, it's not fair if your detective knows something that the reader doesn't know, right? True, (laughs) true. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... um, I guess you yeah. don't really think about that unless you are the writer, because as you're reading it, it's, it's obvious. You don't really think of it as something that you have to discuss. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, as, as I was writing and going through the editing process, um, I bought a couple of books about the genre and, and setting things up and realized that I had already broken a major rule. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you had to go uh, back and fix it no no I left it and and readers might be a little upset with me but <laughs> um or they might be pleasantly surprised that it's different right right <laughs> so rules are made to be broken sometimes um but no it has to do with the um the murder victims right so you, uh, in in a mystery, you don't want the murder victim, you don't want people to get too attached to someone who's going to die, right? So, um, or, or maybe you do, because then it makes it more tr- dramatic, or <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just talking here. I don't really know. I've never written a murder mystery, so. Yeah, so uh, it, it's been a really it's been a learning process. So what did you do specifically to prepare for this book? I know you've written lots of different types of things, but what did you do specifically to prepare for this book? What made this book different than your other writings? Well, um, this book, I signed up for, I don't know if you've heard of NaNoWriMo. It's the National Novel Writing Month. Um, Never heard of it. Nonprofit organization, and okay. um, they have this challenge every November for people to write fifty thousand words in one month. Wow, it's a lot of and, words. And um, I decided I was going to do that. And they have a lot of information on their website about um, creating a plot, creating characters, you know, preparation. For, for your writing. So um, I read some of that stuff and prepared basically what I was going to write about and who my characters are going to be. And then uh, November 1st, I started writing. And uh, I actually hit 50,000 words on about November 22nd. Wow. <laughs> um. The, the book itself is more than 50,000 words. So I kept writing, right? But uh, I met the goal. And uh, now, seven months later, it's finally published. <laughs> so what are some of the things that you did in that, in between day one and the publication date? What, are, what were the steps that you took to get your book to the point where it was ready to be published. Tell us your process. Well, um, first I wrote it and then I proofread it and then I gave it to my mom to proofread. And then I found a couple more online friends who agreed to read it for me. And uh, I had a cover artist to make the cover for me. Uh, His name's Neutron Bohr, and uh, he takes commissions in case anyone's interested. And uh, then I decided that I was going to send the book to a professional editor. And I'm really glad I did because um, she pointed out things that hadn't even occurred to me, like um, 
head hopping, she said, um, you you shouldn't have more than three to five points of view within the book, and you shouldn't change points of view within a scene. She said it's very hard to pull off the omniscient view. So, um, and she thought I had too much dialogue and not enough description and uh, many things. So I I had some pretty major revisions, uh, getting rid of extraneous characters that kind of thing so you, you've given us this really nice description of once you started once you actually did the writing what did you do before you started the writing process was there anything that you did to prepare yourself for the actual writing did you make outlines did you um, did you write out character descriptions did you write out scene descriptions anything like that oh yeah well that's what I was talking about about getting ready for that NaNoWriMo thing is um, yes, they, they had uh, kind of a a checklist of things that you should work out. And um, what were some of the things on that checklist? Well, the plot and, and um, well, these things might seem obvious to you, but I think if somebody's looking to write a book, what, what would they need to know? Oh, I see. Um, probably more than I did when I started. <laughs> but um, uh, depending on the genre you're writing in, um, the the plot can look different, right? Okay. But, um, and I didn't really know what I was doing when I started. So, but um, w- within your plot, if you're writing a mystery, you, you want to have... Um, well, there are a couple of ways you can do it, but you, you want to plan out what, what happens where, and, um, so you have like a timeline essentially. Yeah. To, to know when, when a murder occurs or, you know, uh, when characters come in, when characters leave, when characters, Kind of like you're writing a play, only not a yeah, play. <laughs> exactly. And um, then, yes, you want to know who your characters are and what makes them special or different from the other characters, uh, what they look like, what kind of personalities they have, um, what motivates them, what their secrets are. <laughs> you're basically developing their characters at the beginning. Yes. Okay. So you did, you did a lot of work before you even actually started writing the story. Um, yes, I guess it, it, I didn't work on it for very long because I decided to do the November thing at the end of October, but I did spend probably about a week, uh, working it out in my head and, uh, there was a reason why I chose the location I did, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it would be a spoiler. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, you have to have reasons for the choices that you make. So when you write a, a murder mystery, like I, I see people writing these murder mysteries and, and, it has to be something you're not really familiar with. I mean, were you comfortable writing about something you're not familiar with? Um, Cause usually you write really creative things that are, you know, imaginative and, you know, this is very different than what you normally write, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. And, and there was uh, quite a bit of research involved. So how did you do the research? Oh, just online, on the internet, looking things up. I did make a mistake at one point. Um, So one of my main characters is a medical examiner. And I looked up about the stages of postmortem decomposition. Oh, no, the pictures um, that might have shown up. I can't even imagine. No, I, I wasn't looking at pictures. Okay. <laughs> but um, the information that I got when I did my initial research was wrong. 
Oh. And um, my editor pointed that out. And I'm like, no, you know, and I, I went back and looked some more. And you have to be careful where you find your information and, and make sure that you get maybe look at two or three different articles to make sure that one of them's not wrong. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at several and they're consistent, then you can feel more confident that that's, um, that's going to work. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. So did you throw around a lot of different ideas before you started your book or did you know from the very beginning, this was your idea and you were going to go with it? Did you have, once you started working on your plot, did you, did you change things or were you pretty confident once you started? Um, I, I actually changed things quite a bit. And uh, the only thing that I knew for sure was I knew who was getting murdered in the beginning and why. Okay. (laughs) Um, The additional things that happen in the book changed and um, the person who the murderer changed the person who I thought was going to be the murderer ended up not. So, yeah. So this process that you use to write your book, uh, the Cardinal and the Crow, this particular process, is this a process that you've used in the past for other writing projects or is this a new, uh, completely new uh, process that you used? And, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Um, This is a completely new process and I didn't do any planning when I wrote before. (laughs) I was what they call a pantser. I I just started writing and went where it took me. Hmm. Well, it seems a lot more fun, actually, just to just to write. I mean, that's kind of how I write when I write. I just when I write for fun, I just write. And when I when I'm writing something more academic, then it takes a lot of planning, but a little bit more planning. Yeah. Creative writing is a lot more fun than academic writing. I will agree with that. Um, But if you, if you kind of have an idea of where you're going when you start, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like going on a road trip and knowing the general direction you're going in. Okay. You, you might not stop at every where that you planned on stopping and you might take a detour, but you have a general idea of kind of where you're headed. Right. 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 So um, the creativity doesn't go out the window. If you have, have a prepared plot, it just kind of keeps you on track so that you know where you're headed. Otherwise you could go down a huge rabbit hole in a never, direction and never that, come back out. <laughs> yeah. In a direction you didn't want to go in. Okay. Yeah. Is this a process you would use again? Yes. And I am. I'm halfway through my second book. Oh, well, we'll have to talk about that after the break. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I'm going to write that one down. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about what the, what are some of the mistakes that you've made in this process? Um. What have you learned? Well, I've learned a lot about the genre that I'm writing in. And, okay. and what is um, that? Tell, tell the listeners what the genre is. What's well, just the traditional mystery genre. Okay. Um, some people might call it a cozy mystery, but um, I've tried to write a book that is equally interesting for men and women and tried not to go down the cutesy romance road. So even though um, there is a budding relationship in the book, um, it's more about family and friendship and sticking to the business of detection. Okay. Rather than, you know, baking and whatever else right. that uh, 
modern cozies have in them. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've had a really wonderful experience writing this book. Um, And it sounds like you kind of started a whole new process. Is your second book a sequel to the first book? Yes, but you don't have to read the first book to read the second book. Okay. It's a sequel, but it's, it also can just stand on its own. All right. So the first book is called The Cardinal and the Crow. If you have not received a copy or if you've not purchased a copy, it's because it just launched like, re- like just this past week. This week yeah. yeah. So um, in fact, Alice has a, a box, her box that she just received from her publisher sitting next to her. When we come back from our break, we will open that box and, and, uh, and, and see what she got. (laughs) Yeah, it's very exciting. So, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, the publishing aspect of this process. Uh, what have you learned about writing a book and finding a publisher? Okay. So I self-published, I'm what they're calling an indie author. And the reason that I did that was because when I started querying agents, my main motivation for that was um, to have help with marketing my book. And uh, when I started querying agents, I found out that they want me to have a marketing plan. (laughs) So um, I figured, well, why do I need them if I have to do everything myself anyway? Exactly. So um, it, it's been a huge learning curve and I'm still learning um, the formatting process was a little painful because um, I hadn't used uh, desktop publishing software. Um, so someone suggested that I use Scribus, which is a free open source program that you just have to watch a YouTube video or something and figure it out. But it, it went pretty quick once I once I figured out how to how to work with it. And then um, there are I think they call them aggregates companies that will publish your book to different places like Apple or Barnes and Noble or Kobo, different places. So you can um, go to one of those companies like draft to digital is what I used and um, upload your manuscript in a word document and they'll format it into a, a ebook document, an ebook file. Mm-hmm. So that that you don't have to do that by yourself. You do have to do the print one by yourself, but you don't have to do the the ebook formatting by yourself. So once you started the book and from 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 the time you had this wonderful idea in your head to the time you actually published, how long did it take you? It, it's been about seven months. But I, I think that the second one will go much quicker because there was a lot of lag time when I was trying to find someone to read it for me or trying to figure out how to use software or various things. Yeah. So now that you have the software information under your belt and you know how to use it, and you have an editor in place and you have readers in place, how much time do you think it'll take you to write the second one? Um. I've asked my editor to pencil me in in July. So I'm hoping maybe August or September. Okay. That's not, that's not far. Still a while, but it is a process. It's actually, you're, that's a pretty quick write because most writers that I know take a little bit longer than that to write a book. So, and so is this a genre that you think you're going to stick to? Yes. It's kind of fun for you. I, I yeah. can see it in your face. You like <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, a couple that are kind of partly written that are 
a different cast of characters, but I've kind of put them aside to stick with this group of characters for a little while. Cause I know people like series. Oh yeah. I, I think I think it's a lot of fun. Well, we have uh, just a few minutes before we take the break. Um, before we go to the break, I would love to talk a little bit about how somebody could get a copy of your book. Where can they go to get a copy? Um, if you type my name or the name of the book in the Amazon search, it'll come up both the ebook and the paperback. So Alice Kanaka or the Cardinal and the Crow. Type those into Google and. You should get it. Google, but on but Amazon. Amazon. On Amazon. Okay. And um, if they go to my website, which is still in progress, but it's alicekanaka.com, there's also a link to, uh, it's a universal book link to um, other bookstores that are carrying the ebook. I haven't finished uh, publishing to the other stores with the paperback, but the ebook is available in, in a number of different stores. Wonderful. And, um, you know, if you're looking for, um, more information on Alice Kanaka, once we launch our, um, magazine, executive function magazine, uh, we'll have two uh, ads in that for her as well. One for her book and one for her, um, travel blog, um, Alice is very creative and she has a lot of wonderful stories to share. So you can check that out. Um, and you can also go to voiceamerica.com under focus, focus on success. And you'll see, uh, her banner there and you can definitely, um, you'll, the banner will be up probably sometime next week and you can definitely, um, find her book that way as well. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to executive function coach, az.com and you can, uh, look at our, website and get, um, you can subscribe to the magazine there, Executive Function Magazine. You can uh, look at links to the first two uh, volumes, volume one and volume two are up. You can also uh, go to our YouTube channel and this particular interview will be recorded and you can watch it again to get some of uh, Alice's information um, through that uh, YouTube channel. And our YouTube channel is also linked to the um website, but it's called Fazia Costi Executive Function Coach LLC. So uh, we hope that um, you enjoy the book Alice Kanaka wrote, uh, The Cardinal and the Crow. And if you need to get in touch with me, you can also go, um, you can you can email me or you can call 480-648-1122. And I just want to give a quick shout out to our listeners all around the world. Thank you so much. Without your listening, this would not be possible. And we'll be back after these messages and talking more to Alice Kanaka. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozia works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 
346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Welcome back. Um, I'm Fazia Costi, and today I am interviewing a good friend of mine. Her name is Alice Kanaka. She recently wrote uh, a new book called The Cardinal and the Crow, and I have not read it yet. And the reason why is it just launched. So before we get started, I want to say welcome to Alice. And I, you know, Alice, I would love to open up um, that box of goodies you have there from, from Amazon. And let's take a peek at what you have. So you said you you got a box from Amazon this morning. What's what's in there? Just this morning, it's my um, five. I ordered five proof copies uh, just to make sure they're good quality and to see what they look like. All right, let's open one up and take a peek. They they say across them, not for resale. Oh, I love it. Um. But this is the book. I love it. I love it. I can definitely um, see it. It looks it looks great. Um, it, it, it really does. T- tell me a little bit about the characters. Tell me a little bit about the book. Okay, wait a minute. I want to show you one thing. Okay. I, I put a little um, author page on the back. Very nice. I love it. And it's got links to my my website and my travel blog. Awesome. I like this. It it is kind of fun to have something that you've created come back to you in a nice, neat little package, isn't it? Tangible. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So talk to me about your characters. Talk to me about the the Cardinal and the Crow. What is, what is the book about and who are the characters? Okay. Um, Well, the Cardinal and the Crow are, um, the two main characters, and um, they're very different. Um, Jack is a big city medical examiner who um, grew up in a household without any love in it. And um, when his father died, uh, he was his father asked him to go to this little dinky town in Northern New Mexico to repay a debt. And um, he was supposed to repay a debt to someone named Sam, who he assumed was one of his father's business associates or something. And uh, so he arrives in town and finds out that Sam is um, a spunky gun-toting cowgirl um, with some trust issues, but she's, um, as you can see from the cover, she's tall and skinny with like anime type red hair, fire engine, red hair. She's, uh, kind of unconventional maybe. Yeah. So it's a big, big town conventional meets small town unconventional, I guess. But they find out that they're cousins. And so the. That's a nice surprise. Did not see that coming. It's kind of a mystery within a mystery. So um, the the first mystery is what happened? Like, why were their families estranged? Why didn't they know each other? They, you know, live a couple hours away from each other. And why? why? <laughs> right. right. Well, um, I think a lot of people can relate to that in real life. Yeah. So they, uh, Jack decides to stay instead of going right back and get to know his cousin. And so, um, you know, me with the outdoors, you got some, some hiking and some camping and, um, some, fun stuff that they do together while they're getting to know each other. But meanwhile, um, there's a murder and um, it's a super small town and Jack gets pulled into the investigation. And uh, not only that, but when Sam's best friend gets accused, 
she decides she needs to help too. So the two of them are working together on not only their family mystery, but on this mystery involving uh, the little town that Sam lives in. So how does this story and its characters tie into the second book? And, and tell us the name of the second book again. Or actually, you have not, you've told me, but you haven't told our, our listeners. Go ahead and tell us the second book. <laughs> the second book is called The Cardinal, the Fat Boy, and the Flamingo. <laughs> okay. So do, do the characters from the first book end up in the second book? Only Sam. Okay. Only the girl. Mm. Okay. And, and then tell us a little bit about the plot for the second book. Um, Sam rides a Harley fat boy um, out to Vegas to meet up with this uh, group of middle-aged bikers. And uh, when she gets there, there's a murder. <laughs> Surprise. So um, she works together with the police detective in Las Vegas and uh there's uh, kind of a lot of sights and sounds of the city mm-hmm. and uh, some road trips to destinations outside the city. Uh, I, th- I think it's fun to add interesting things about the location uh, in the book. Now, are these, are these places that you've been to? Some of them. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know Alice very well, she loves to travel. Alice has been all over the world. In fact, she and I met in Prescott, Arizona, where we both lived for about a decade. I lived there for about a decade. I'm not sure how long you lived there. You were there longer, I think. No, I think it was only nine or 10 years. Yeah. And then Alice is now in the uh, North Pacific area. Uh, so she's, she's definitely done her share of traveling. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what advice would you give our listeners if they wanted to write their own book? What have you learned from this process? It would kind of depend on whether or not you were wanting to write full-time or part-time, but why why does that matter? Well, since I, I decided to write full-time, um, I've spent most of my energy all day, every day, seven days a week, um, writing or editing or whatever it is I'm working on. So um, there, there is advice like, um, don't let it consume you. Um, you know, make sure to take breaks, um, don't get cramps in your hands, (laughs) but your uh, hands get deformed from all the typing. Yeah. But, um, I would say to, uh, is it someone who already has an idea about what they want to write or they don't (laughs) either way? Um, If you don't have an idea about what to write, um, you could just look at the world around you and start asking, what if, you know, um, like, what if that bus driver decided to get off the bus and just leave? Or what if that lady in the supermarket decided to take the other lady's dog and run? What would happen if this or that happened? So just to start generating ideas in your head. Well, you know, it's funny. One of the little, I I used to homeschool this little boy years ago and we used to go to the uh, uh, musical instrument museum in Scottsdale, Arizona, about once a week. That was our regular Friday afternoon thing. And he would get tired. He was very young. He was like seven years old. And he'd get tired of walking around after we saw the musical instruments. And so there was this little room in the second story by the Asia room, <laughs> right? By the Arabic instruments that nobody ever went to. 
And we would go sit in there and that room overlooked um, the road. It, it overlooks, I think it was Scottsdale Road. And we would sit there and we would make up stories of people that stopped at the lights. And we would make up like, what, what is that? Oh my gosh, there's a bus going by. What, what are all the people on that bus doing? Where are they going? What are their plans? There's a, there's a man that's, you know, driving a, a truck. What, it, what is he doing out at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon? Why is he not working? And we would make up stories like that man is leaving his work to go pick up his sick child from school. Or, you know, the school bus is going to take a bunch of children to on a field trip to Flagstaff. Or we would just make up all kinds of cute little stories. But it really sparked his imagination. So when we did writing projects, it helps him come up with stories a lot easier. So if you're looking to write, I think that's kind of a fun way to do things as you're driving around, make up stories about what other people are doing. Yeah. You don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> and, and you're never going to know what they're doing. So you can make it all up and it's okay because all it's doing is sparking your own creativity, right? Yeah, so I, I love I love that. So keep going. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, you were talking about you, go ahead. You get your idea. Yeah. Right. And then um you might might start thinking about what kind of people are involved, make up a little cast of characters and make sure that they're they're distinct enough that they have their own voice. Yes. So, and I don't think it has to be cliche. Like, you know, you don't have to have uh, the person who draws and the person who uh, says blimey, you know, (laughs) it can be more every day. Everyone has their own little idiosyncrasies, right? Maybe uh, somebody's constantly rubbing their chin or maybe somebody says, you know, all the time. Right, right. Just uh, have each character kind of have their own personality and and maybe a little thing or two that they do that's recognizable. And then um, sit down and start writing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. So one of the things that I want to talk about before I let you go today is you recently wrote an article on medium.com about the fear of taking the final step. Please tell me a little bit about that. Uh, what, I'm just going to pull it up here quick because okay. um, Did you- part part of that article I was... Um, referencing an article that I read when I was researching. And so I want to make sure that um, I know the name of the person that I was referencing, if it'll come up. But um, I found as I got closer and closer to being finished with the book, um, I was working on the formatting and I found that I had really started dragging my feet. And I didn't know why, right? I'm like, I should be really excited that I'm almost done and I should be racing towards the finish line. Why, why am I suddenly dragging my feet, you know, not wanting to work on it or finding excuses to do something else? And uh, so I, I looked it up. I, I went online and uh, started doing a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the stuff I found was about um, the fear of success or the fear of failure. And I knew it wasn't that. I've kind of, you know, come to terms with that. It's going to be what it's going to be, right? But um, I, I kept searching around and I found this guy that was talking about jamesstuber.com it was actually and he was talking about a book by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art and it talks about resistance 
And uh, a, that article blames self-doubt, perfectionism, and procrastination. And um, I thought it was interesting because when you start second guessing yourself and trying to make everything too perfect, um, that can really drag you down. Mm-hmm. But I thought, no, it that's still not quite it. <laughs> and I writing this article helped ground me. Sometimes writing nonfiction helps me to to focus and to get back on track. But I. I thought about it some more after I wrote it and realized that what was really holding me back was my fear of that letdown. You know how when you work really hard at a project for a long period of time and you're finally done, you have that kind of feeling of now I'm done. What next? Now what do I do? (laughs) Yeah. I thought, you know, you you work and you work and you hit that button, that publish button, and then there's no fanfare, there's no <laughs> party, it's just, you're just done, right? Um, but I actually found out that when I hit that publish button and I saw my book up on Amazon, it was so thrilling. It, it yeah. was not... It was not a letdown at all. I was very excited. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so once you took that final step and you published your book, did that feeling go away? Well, yeah, because I was done. So, like, do you? No, no. I'm just saying. Do you think you'll have that same feeling every single time you you? you do a project or do you think it's, it's just a one-time thing? I don't really know. Um, This uh, Mr. Pressfield who wrote the war of art, he, he has a, a quote. uh, He says uh, the danger is greatest when the finish line is in sight. At this point, resistance knows we're about to beat it. It's the panic button. It marshals one last assault and slams us with everything it's got. Um, it may just be something that happens every time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Hmm. So what do you think you'll do differently next time? Do you think you can avoid it? Do you think you can lessen the impact? Um, when, when I was doing my formatting, I was, I had a document from my editor with the final read through after I had done my revisions. And so I was making changes and fixing quotation marks and indentations and then taking it and copy and pasting it over into the desktop publishing software. So it, I was kind of trying to do four things at the same time. And yeah. it, it was really tiring. It took a long time and I didn't enjoy doing it. So um, I think next time I, I will try to have everything ready to go before I do the formatting. So I'm right. not. So you will make a few changes before your next book is published. And, and, and that's good. So those are some great lessons that you've learned. Uh, we have about four minutes before we end the show. I want to ask you one last question. Um, what would, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? You know, that's really difficult because my 20 year old self didn't know much and was only interested in traveling. So I think I might tell her that she'll be interested in computers and, um, that she should write more yeah. because uh, there were things that I didn't know then that I know now and wish I had known. Like I love computers, working on computers, fixing computers, learning new software. 
And, you know, of course, back then when we were young. <laughs> I don't um, know what you're talking about. You're so yeah. much older than me. <laughs> I am a little older than you. Not really. <laughs> but um, no, back then, though, we didn't really use computers like mm-hmm. we now. I right. mean, when I was traveling in Europe, I didn't have a cell phone or a laptop, you know. Right. If I wanted to write something down, I had to use a piece of paper and a pencil. Yeah. Well, that's great advice. So we have a few minutes left. How can somebody, let's talk again about how somebody can get a copy of your book. Um, You can either go to Amazon and just type in my name or the book's name or. um, And that's Alice Kanaka or the Cardinal and the Crow. Yeah. And, uh, or you can go to my website, which is alicekanaka.com. And uh, I'll show show you the pretty book again. Yeah. It's got that stupid gray strip through the middle of it. I I, I want a copy of that. (laughs) I want an autographed copy of that. (laughs) You've got it. All right. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So once again, if you're looking to get a hold of Alice Kanaka or a copy of her book, go to amazon.com, look up Alice Kanaka, K-A-N-A-K-A, or you can look up the book, which is the Cardinal and the Crow. If you're looking get to um, get in touch with me, you can go to executive function coach, az.com. And you can look at our podcast there. You can look at um, our YouTube channel, which this recording will be on. And you can also subscribe to our upcoming executive function magazine. And um, we have put up two links on that uh, website as well. So if you'd like to take a look at our previous uh, magazine editions and you haven't subscribed yet, you can feel free to do that. Just copy the link and put it into your browser and you you can take a peek at that. Um, If you're interested in a free consultation with me, you can call 480-648-1122 or you can email me through the website as well. And last but not least, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the listeners. I appreciate you all being here today, listening to our wonderful um, guest, Alice Kanaka, a good friend of mine. And um, we'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day. Alice, did you have something else to say? Well, I did have one more thing. I heard you mention an international audience. Yes. And um, my book can also be found on on the various like Amazon.jp or Amazon.ca. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.